I'm going to do a bit of teaching today, so I'm not going to walk around like I normally do. I walk around a little bit because that's just, my mouth won't work if I don't walk around, but, um, but I'm pretty much going to stay here. In, in Mark chapter 3 and verse 14, we, we read that Jesus cho- chose 12 men, and if we've got it up there, it says, and he called them his apostles, and they were to accompany him, and he would send them out to preach. In the New International Version, it says, he chose them to be with him. And for three years, these men travelled with Jesus. Talk about Jesus every day. They were literally with Jesus every day. There's only probably two or three occasions when Jesus went off by himself up on a mountain to pray and he was back within hours. So every day they were with him. One of my favourite passages in the Bible is, uh, and you're gonna, you'll understand why it's one of my favourites in a minute, but it says that when Jesus came, uh, into, we're going to read the first part of it, but Jesus is talking about... Um, about church discipline, and it says, if you won't receive my word, treat them like a tax gatherer, uh, like a, a Gentile or a tax gatherer. And in um, there was a, a pretty well-known movie, like video thing that came out of the Bible. It was the NIV translation of Matthew. And when it came to that passage, Jesus was walking with his disciples, and this is the way it portrayed it. It said. If you won't listen to my words, treat them like a Gentile. And Jesus looked around and saw Matthew and he said, and a tax gatherer and all of the disciples, including Jesus, rumbled Matthew. They jumped on him and rolled around on the ground and teased him. You know, sometimes we imagine Jesus walking just slightly off the ground, just sort of of cruising through life in a levitated kind of way, you know, and saying, you know, Make sure you don't tell a lie. Oh no, I'm Jesus. But I don't think he was like that. Um, in, I think it's Acts, Peter says, the man, Jesus. You know, he was God, but he was very much a man to them. And he, he spent three years teaching them, discipling them, communicating to them, demonstrating to them his kingdom purpose and his apostolic agenda. And I want you to look at what Luke records in Acts chapter 4. This is after Jesus is gone. We know the story. There's a, the lame beggar is, is healed at the gate beautiful and the, the apostles are taking the, the captive by the temple guards and they, they appear before the Sanhedrin. The council. And it says, if we can throw that up there, Cam. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. And they recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Three years on, this band of 12, now down to 11. They recognized them. They said, there's something about these men that remind us of Jesus. I know what it was. It was Jesus every day. Every day, Jesus was pouring himself into them. And one of the, one of the men that we're going to focus on this morning as we've been looking at this, um, 
this first part of the series of Jesus Every Day, talking about the, the men that were with Jesus. It's the Apostle Peter. And this morning I'm going to look at three crucial conversations that Peter had, two with Jesus, and then the third one was about Jesus. And I believe that in these conversations, there are keys that if we pick them up, if we take them and run with them in our daily encounters with Jesus, I believe that they will unlock the power of God to transform us. So that it would be said of us, hey, I I recognise he's been with Jesus. She's been with Jesus. We can just see it all over her life. We can see it in the way she talks. We can see it in the way he relates to us. We can see it in the way they love. The evidence of Jesus is upon them. So you ready? Okay, let's go to the first one. And it's found in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 16. That's not it. That's kind of it. Yeah. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then Jesus asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. This is a really interesting, an interesting encounter with, with Peter and we find out later that, that the Holy Spirit was speaking through Peter. It wasn't kind of Peter's bright idea and I'm really grateful for that because I'm depending on that this morning. I'm depending on the Holy Spirit speaking through me because if you're just depending on my ability to get a bright idea, I want to tell you you're in trouble this morning. So, so I'm depending on that, flesh and blood, not revealing it to me, but the Father in heaven. But Jesus is saying, look, what, what are men saying about me? And, and the disciples said, well, you know, some say that you're Elijah or John the Baptist. All of these men represented an emphasis. We know that some, some were great leaders. Elijah was a great leader in, in Israel. John the Baptist wasn't so much a leader, but he he baptised, but he also spoke out against the leadership in Israel at that time. He was like almost like a, a revolutionary, and it cost him his life. What about Jeremiah? Jeremiah was described as the weeping pastor prophet. That's how he's referred to by many of the commentators. He was very much relational, crying about the people of Israel. Very different to, say, Elijah, who was a power ministry kind of guy. And then there's one of the prophets. Each of us has our favourite. You know, there's Hosea. His wasn't so much of a good trip. He, God said, Hosea, here's my mission for you. This is your vision. This is my plan. I see the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to do you good and not to harm you. I'm sure Hosea's story happened before that scripture in Jeremiah 29.11. Because God said, this is what I want you to do, Hosea. I would like you to marry a prostitute. And uh, when she's home, I'd like you to live with her. When she's not home, I'd like you to go and find her and bring her back. And he was forever going out and finding her and bringing her back. Going out, finding her and bringing her back. And she would go and commit adultery. And he'd go and find her 
and bring her back because his life was a reflection of God consistently going after his people who had committed spiritual adultery and bringing them back to himself. But not an easy lot. You know what? So many of us have a Jesus that we relate to. Some of us like the revolutionary Jesus. We want the Jesus like like Israel did. They want Jesus to come and take over and defeat the Romans and kill the Romans and be the Messiah. But the problem with that concept was that Jesus loved Romans too. And that was a problem for the Jews. And they could never understand it. And one of the things that we we need to deal with as we come to our relating to Jesus is who is the Jesus that we're relating to? Are we relating to an emphasis? You know, some of us come to Christ with all kinds of different agendas and all kinds of different philosophies. And we bring those philosophies into our conversion because they are inside of us. They're in our minds and they're in our hearts. And part of the sanctification process is God working some of those things out of us, some of the things that are incompatible with Jesus. But that can only happen if we come into agreement with what Peter says. Jesus, you're not an emphasis. You're not an agenda. You're the Son of God. And I'm going to relate to you as the Son of God because I want you to come and deal with the agendas that I have in my heart. We all have them, don't we? We all have agendas in our heart. Something that is contrary, slightly, to what Jesus says. And so the first one is, you're not not an agenda, you're not an emphasis, Jesus You're the son of God and we relate to you like that. And Jesus goes on to say, you know, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my father in heaven. And listen to this. He says, upon this rock, not Peter, who was Petros, the the small stone, upon this bedrock of the fact that I'm the Christ, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know, there's an agenda right there. Because Jesus only has one mission post his deliverance of us from sin. He only has one agenda, one mission, and that's to build his church. That's the only thing he's doing at the moment. You know, he's, he's, yeah, the Bible says he's interceding for us, but that's part of the process of him building his church. And you know, sometimes I find Christians who detach from the church. They say, oh, you know, I, I get Jesus but I'm not really so interested in the church. Well, see, therein is a problem because Jesus is really interested in the church. And if you want to be interested in Jesus, like he goes to church every Sunday. Doesn't he? He said, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, I'm there. He not only goes to church every Sunday, but he goes to every church every Sunday. Talk about Cain. You know, some, some churches might have three or four a day. They've got the 8 o'clock, the 10 o'clock. Maybe one at 2 o'clock. And then one at night. Jesus goes to all of those. Then he goes to the one down the road. 
and the one around the corner and the one across town. And, you know, when we're in bed after Sunday night after church, uh, he's in England <laughs> going to church. And, you know, we wake up in the morning for breakfast, Monday morning, he's in America going to church, going to the night meeting, having a blast with TJ. Nearly got me. Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, and we relate to you that way, and we need to think about that as we come into our everyday encounters with God. Which water's mine? This one. So, number two, the next conversation. Jesus is not an agenda, he's not an emphasis, he is the son of God, and he wants to build his church on that. The next conversation is found in John's Gospel, and it asks us a question, opinion or truth? Opinion or truth? This is really, is Jesus a man with an opinion, or is he a speaker of the words of eternal life? And this is really interesting, because this is where it starts to get down to the nitty-gritty of what's going on inside of us. So we're going we're gonna to read a little bit of Bible here, starting with John 6.35. At this, oh, No, that's not it. We're going to get rid of that one. Here we go. Jesus replied, I'm the bread of life come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me not to do my own will. And this is the will of God that I should not lose even one of those who he has given me, but that I should raise them up on the last day. For it is my Father's will, that's not up there, for it's my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. So, and uh, a little bit further on. Is it up there? Then the people began to murmur. I love that. Then the people began to murmur. Jesus makes a statement about his origin and his mission. I've come from heaven to do the will of the Father. I've come from heaven to do the will of the Father. And it says, and the people began to murmur in what? Disagreement. See, you can have disagreements with opinions, can't you? Anybody ever had a disagreement? Hey, I've had disagreements with myself. There's times when I've had an opinion and I thought, that's not right. And the other part of my brain says, yes, it is. And then, no, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. And the good news is, ultimately, I won. (laughs) But we can disagree with an opinion, can't we? And usually when we start to, who's ever murmured against God? Anybody? God's been saying something to you and, and, and inside your heart uprises a murmur. Oh God, come on, God, you can't really, you can't be serious about that one. Husband of one wife? Really? Just the one? Yes. Okay. Opinions. Opinions. And they began to murmur. And you know, murmuring is almost always based on uh, a misunderstanding or a, a false understanding of what's going on. And I really like this. How many of you read the Bible and want to tell the people in the Bible the bits that they don't know? Do you do, like I do that with, with TV shows. 
you know, somebody's coming, the policeman's coming in and, and they, they're with this guy and they think he's a good guy, but you know because you saw the start of the show that the, the one they think is the good guy that's the one that actually did the, the killing, you know. And so you're, you're trying to say to the policeman, hey, don't trust him, he's the bad guy. And they don't know. See, they don't know. They've just got an opinion. And there's no point in them finding out at the beginning of the show because, you know, we know the show's run for 40 minutes and if, if they find out in, at the beginning, well, you know, it's just the rest is just ads, isn't it? So the, the murmur starts with incomplete information and they said, you know, come down from heaven. We know him. This is Jesus. That's... Mary and Joseph's kid, you know, and Jesus smiled because he knew something that they didn't know. You know, my, my favorite scene in The Princess Bride, why are you smiling? I know something that you don't know. What is that? I am not left-handed. Those of you who have seen The, Br- the Princess Bride will understand that. Those of you who don't will go, what is he going on about? But Jesus, Jesus had another understanding See, they thought he was Mary and Joseph's son. They thought he was just a man. But Jesus knew, no, I'm the bread of heaven that's come down from from God. See, See, you think Joseph was my dad, but Joseph is not my dad. God is my dad. And I haven't got time to explain that Jesus and I. And, you know, I find it really interesting that Jesus never addresses that mistake with people. Don't you find that interesting? See, if I was Jesus, I would have said, no, hey, guys, Pharisees, come here. I want to let you in on a secret. I know something that you don't know. Joseph wasn't my dad. God was my dad. Actually, on second thought, I can understand why I didn't raise that with them. They would have found that a little bit difficult. Opinions. Opinions. We've all got opinions. I uh, listened to a great message this week by Andy Stanley on the current political situation in America and stuff. And he said this great line. He said, one of the things I absolutely love about America is in America, we can know nothing about the topic we're talking about and we're still allowed to talk about it. Isn't that true? It's a bit like Australia, isn't it? We can have absolutely no understanding of what we're talking about, but it's still okay to talk about it. And these guys were saying, they're murmuring about Jesus. And, uh, and it just gets better. Because Jesus kind of smiled up and said, yeah, well, that's a problem and I'm not going to explain it to you. But I know something that you don't know. And then if we go to the next thing, it says, but Jesus replied to them, stop complaining about what I said. You never thought Jesus would say something like that, did you? Because you kind of thought he walked just a few feet off the ground and was made funny signs with his fingers like that, and he was Jesus. But Jesus said to them, stop complaining. I think he might have, in, in the, the revised Steve version, it says, you pack of numpties. But it doesn't say that in that version. He said, if you didn't, no, he didn't really say this, but it's like he meant it. If you didn't like that bit, try this bit on for size. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. The living bread. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread which 
I will offer the world that so that the world may live is my flesh. So if you think they had trouble with the bit about coming down from heaven, when he, he said, try this one on for size. I am the living bread. If you eat my flesh and drink my blood, it'll go well for you. And they looked at one another and said, we thought we had problems with the coming down from heaven bit. This eating the flesh and drinking the blood bit, this is getting really confusing. But Jesus didn't have a problem with it. You see, he just dropped it out there. He was speaking, what? Metaphorically. See, we like to say that. I like to jump up and down and say, no, no, no. Jesus was speaking metaphorically. You misunderstand. Sometimes you you want to talk to the Bible and say, guys, you're missing it. And then the people began, what? What do they begin? They began arguing with each other. Who's ever gone from murmuring to arguing with Jesus? Yeah, I think all of us. There's, there's, some of us are just telling the truth and the rest are just, um, well, you know. They began arguing with each other about what this meant. How can this man give his flesh to eat? They asked. And we next keep going. Many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. You can imagine what that would have been in the Revised Australian Version, can't you? It would read slightly different to that. This is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining, so he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. The very words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. And so we we keep going a bit more. See, Jesus did not shy away from backing his disciples and especially the close ones into a corner. So he says, at this point, many of the disciples turned away and deserted Jesus. And he turned to the 12 and said, what about you? What about you? What do you think about me? Do you think what I'm saying is just an opinion? See, the thing about opinions is we can accept them or reject them, can't we? We can take, Jesus, I'll take your your advice on board and I'll get back to you on whether I'm going to do it or not. Is, Is that how we do it? See, if we're reading the Bible like that, we've got problems. Because at some point in time, we're about to have an argument with Jesus. We're about to murmur against Jesus. It usually doesn't end up with a, you know, because we're a little bit sharper than that. We we don't normally start actually having a physical murmuring and arguing with Jesus because we know that that just doesn't look really sane. So what tends to happen at that point is we close the Bible and that there endeth the session. Paul says in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. And we, we pull down arguments and things that pretend to be equal it says in the Bible, every pretension. These are things that 
pretend to be equal with God. And sometimes in our lives, that's our opinion. We see, sometimes we want to put our opinion and Jesus' opinion on the same level and just kind of look at one and look at the other, weigh it up and see which one we're going to go with. Is is that not true? See, sometimes when we read that version about the the spiritual warfare, we're thinking warring out. But Paul was talking about warring in. Warring in. Warring with ourselves. In Romans, he talks about the flesh is at enmity with the spirit. There's a war going on within our very being. Where Paul says, sometimes the good that I want to do, I don't do. And the bad that I don't want to do, I do do. So there's a, there's a problem there. There's an opinion conflict. And sometimes in our lives, the wrong opinion wins. Amen? Have you noticed that? I've noticed that. I, and to be really fair, most of the time when it wins, I know the wrong opinion's winning. But I kind of just go with it. And I guess probably you're the same. And that's why these are crucial conversations. Because we need to ask ourselves the same thing that Jesus asked the disciples. What about you? Are you going to leave too? When the conversation gets difficult, are you backing off? Or are you going to say like Peter, Jesus, we've got nowhere else to go. The words that you speak are eternal life. They change us from the inside out. They're they're life and food to us. Sometimes they're hard. Sometimes they're difficult to swallow. But we know, we've seen, we've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And we know that even, even the words that are bitter in our mouth, are sweet in our stomach and they produce good fruit in our lives. So if we're going to profit from our everyday with Jesus, we need to ask ourselves this question. What about us? Will we bug out when there's an opinion that's contrary to what we believe? Right now, we are dealing in our own nation and the nations around the world, we're dealing with people who have opinions and people in power and people who are making decisions that affect our lives and the way we live. We are dealing with people who have an opinion that's different to Jesus' opinion. Have you noticed that? What about us? When the conversation gets difficult, are we going to back off? Or do we say no? As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. We'll serve the Lord because only he has the words of eternal life. You see, it makes such a big difference when we come to every day with Jesus with that kind of attitude. You know, One of the things that, that is really cool is that things that otherwise we would otherwise back and forward and back and forward for days, for weeks, for months... We can deal with it in a moment. It's like we find a contrary thing arise up within us. We go, Jesus, you've got the words of eternal life. I give up my opinion. 
I love what Andy Stanley says. He rose from the dead. How are you going to argue with somebody that does that? Can you do that? He did that. See, he didn't raise, like, you know, Jesus rose some people from the dead and Peter's rose some people from the dead and, and there's other men in the earth that have prayed for people and they've risen from the dead, but there's only one that's raised himself from the dead and that was Jesus. Okay. Number three, question number three. And this is found in Acts chapter 2, 22 to 32. How are we going? We're good. He's not a good guy with a good message. He's risen from the dead. He's the Lord and he's the Christ. Acts chapter 2, let's, let's read it together. People of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew that what would happen and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to the cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. God raised Jesus from the dead and we are all witnesses of this. Now he exalt, he's exalted to the highest place of honour in heaven at God's right hand. And this kind of comes to the core of our Christian faith. Cam, have we got that in the, in the, I think the NIV? Okay, yeah. Fellow Israelites, Jesus of Nazareth, let's say it together, was a, a man, accredited by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs, which you did among, uh, which he, God did among you through him, as you know yourself. He was a man. And when you go forward to, uh, I think it's verse 30, yeah, okay, this man was handed over, this man was handed over uh, to you by God's deliberate plan and knowledge, and he was put to death. This man, this man, Peter starts talking about Jesus, the man, but at the end of the chapter, he's no longer talking about Jesus, the man. Let's go forward and see what it says. I think it's verse 36, is that right? Okay, I'm going to read it from the Bible. Where are we? Verse 36. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what it says because I know. Therefore, therefore, Bob Mumford says, when you see a therefore, find out what it's there for. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know this day for certain that God has made this Man, this Jesus who you crucified, God has made him to be both what? Lord and Messiah. He's not just a man. He's God. He's not just a man. He's God. Now, if you want to find out just how troubling that is to people, here's what I recommend. This is, this is not... Uh, Challenge number, week, week five challenge. We've got a week five challenge. This is not it. This is like week five challenge 5A. Okay? This week, I don't want you to talk about what God's doing. I want you to try talking about with people that don't know God and staff at work, whatever. Talk about what 
Jesus is doing and see how that one flies. See, I found that people don't mind when you talk about God. But the minute you start talking about Jesus, something, their heckles start to get up. You know. There, there are people in the earth, humanists, that are so opposed to the message of Jesus. Listen to this. That, that they will, right now, across the earth and in our political spectrum, people who vehemently believe in homosexuality and the rights of women will side against a relig- uh, with a religion that throws homosexuals off rooftops and treats women abominably. Do you get that? To me, that's like, what? What? Because Jesus... Is not a man alone. Not just a man. Peter says, I want you to know today, folks, this is not just a good man with a good message. And this is the really interesting thing. Jesus spent the whole of the Gospels talking about loving one another, right? Talking about doing good to one another, don't judge one another, all good things, all excellent things. He talked about, what were some of the other big ones? Um, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Only, only do it first. Did he say that? No. Okay, good. Must have just been me. He had all these things that he said. And I challenge you to find any of those topics in the book of Acts when the apostles are preaching about him. They're not there. Then all these great things that Jesus said, all these classic sermons, Sermon on the Mount. After the day of Pentecost, they never mention that again. In fact, some of those things don't get referenced again until later when Paul's writing his epistles and says, now I want to teach you how to live. From the day of Pentecost forward, the apostles only had one message. The man you thought was Jesus of Nazareth, or the Jesus of Nazareth you thought was just a man. God raised him from the dead and exalted him to be God. See, if we're spending every day with God, not just Jesus, good man with a good guy with a good message. It's God. It's God who made you, who knows you, who puts you together in, his, in, mother's, in your mother's womb. He knows all about you. He's known, he knows what you've been through. He knows what you're going to go through. And he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. It makes a big difference. It makes a big difference to our everyday with Jesus. Amen. See, these are the three questions I want you to ask yourself. We're finished now. We're done. I think I've come to the end. As we approach Jesus every day, there are three conversations we need to have with ourselves and with God, with Jesus. Jesus, number one, you are greater than any agenda. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. 
Lord, before I come to you today, before I even step into your presence, before I even discuss something with you, before I even stoop to hear what you're going to say to me, I just want to say to you, God, you are the Son of God, the living Christ, and I submit myself to you today. Right at the beginning, before we even start to talk, Lord Jesus, I know you might say some things today, and uh, I know some of them might be hard. But I, I, say, I want to say to you today, Lord, before we even get going, what you say to me are not just opinions. They're eternal life words. They're spirit words. They have the ability to change me from the inside out. They're powerful. God, I, just, I want to say I surrender not only to you, I surrender to your words today. Would you come and fellowship with me? And then thirdly, the third conversation we have with Jesus is, Jesus, I I know you came in the flesh and I know that you put on human form and you became a man and you became eternally a man. But I also know this and I can't understand it. I don't know how it works, but I know that you are God. And Lord, I am so privileged that today we're going to have some time together Just me and God. Me and you, Jesus. I'm going to relate to you like that. We've got a challenge for you this this day. And this has kind of grown a little bit out of something that that I've been doing over the last few weeks. uh, Last year I spent most of the year... Um, doing a one of those, you know, read the Bible in 365 days things. You, you, you know, did you do that? And so, Uversion would send me an email every day with like four hours of scripture read. And I spent, I spent most of it, I can, I can turn 12 months into 18 months just like that. Because, you know, do you want to move it forward? Ah, yes I do. Because Tuesday wasn't good and now Tuesday's become Wednesday and I'm reading Tuesday and you can't read Tuesday on Wednesday because then you've got Wednesday to read. So what you do is you move it forward and then week one becomes week four or week three. Now that sounds terrible, doesn't it? Week one becomes week two and so you move it forward. And so you started reading in October and now it's July, 18 months later, and you're still reading. So I thought, oh, this has just been hard on myself. So I thought, I don't think I can do this and do the everyday thing with all that to read. So this is what I'm going to do this year while we're in this everyday time. Every day, version sends me a verse of the day. I thought, these passages are killing me. I'm just going to go down to one verse. Even I can read one verse a day. But see, what I do is I take that one verse, and what do I do with this little thing? So taking just one verse, and you don't have to do you version verse of the day. You could do any verse. You could, you could do, you know the other one where you kind of, And Judas went and hung himself. <laughs> Tell like that one. Go and do thou likewise. No, no, no. no. 
take one verse and just take that verse into the presence of Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to talk about this verse with you today. And the great thing about the version verse for me is I just do whatever it, ever verse it is. You know, If it's a difficult one, I go, well, Jesus, I've got to deal with this. You know, I, I just got to. But I've, I've found so far it's been wonderful. It's been so wonderful. In fact, this is what it said the other day. It was, I think it was 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 5. And it says, what I would like you to do is to grow in the understanding of how much God loves you. Number one. Just don't worry about that. I'll tell you about that. Listen to this. How much God loves you and how amazing is the endurance that's to be found in Christ. See, because all of us go through stuff, don't we? Amen? Like today might be one of those days when we go through some stuff or tomorrow. And isn't it wonderful to go into a day where we know there's stuff coming, understanding two things. How much God loves us. He's going to bring us through, isn't he? Because he loves us. We're going to get through it. But how much endurance is found in our relationship with Christ to be able to go through this stuff? Amen? So that's our challenge. Take a verse and begin to dialogue just through your day. Think about it. Discuss it. Talk a bit to Jesus about it. Uh, Maybe somewhere along the line over the next few weeks, you may find some opinions rising up in your own life that disagree with what the verse says. Go and talk to Jesus about it. But, but do so with the understanding that he's the son of God, his words are truth, and that he's, he's God and he loves you and he can, do, he can deal with it. Yeah? Amen? Okay, let's stand. Yeah. Father, we thank you today for these incredible conversations that we can have with you. Lord, that you are God, that your word is truth, and that you love us with an everlasting love. Father, we ask as we go into this day, Lord, that you would uh, help us with our opinions, help us with the times we misunderstand. And Lord, that we, we, we would understand your love is so great that we can bring these to you and discuss them with you. You will not reject us but you will teach us and help us. And we bless you. Father, today, I pray a blessing over each one that goes. God, as they dialogue with you this week, God, I pray that you would open up the vast storehouse of your word to them. God, that it it would make their life rich and rich and richer still. In Jesus' name, amen. God, have a great week.